Welcome in to the At The Yard Podcast. Today we're going to take you inside the dugout with 14th year J. Sarah head coach Brett Kay. We'll follow his path as a player through Cal State, Fullerton, and into pro ball before walking away and beginning his journey as a head coach in the high school ranks in Orange County. All that and much more on episode 35 of At The Yard Podcast. BK, welcome into the podcast. This is long overdue. I am really, really excited to have you uh, take some time today to chat with me about all things baseball, particularly SoCal baseball. Uh, so thanks a bunch, man. Thanks for being here. Thanks for making the time. Yeah, glad to, glad to get at it, finally. So it's it's good. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, this is this is great. So so BK, you you and I have always had the conversation about SoCal baseball and, and where it ranks, and we both feel... Uh, pretty strongly that it is the best level of competition. So you grew up playing here, right? I mean, you played at modern day. You had a pretty successful career there. Is that kind of where your thought process uh, as it retain, as it pertains to Orange County baseball kind of started? Um, I mean, I've always, obviously this has been home, um, you know, growing up in the Orange Villa Park area and, you know, I, I think my first real experience was in 92, I was 12 and, you know, I got a chance to see the National Classic, you know, with Alex Rodriguez and Westminster Christian back when they were playing at El Dorado. And, you know, I, I got to see what a really good player was. Um, you know, that's, you know, after seeing, you know, guys like Aaron Boone at Villa Park and, you know, but it was it was kind of like, oh, gosh, like this is a great tournament. And then let me kind of dabble into what, you know, Orange County baseball is and then. You know, I got into the travel ball world in 13, 14, and I started seeing how many good players there were, you know, in Southern California. And, you know, this was when travel ball was, you know, really the Placentia Mustangs, the Tustin Mets, Tustin Red Sox, you know, the Encinitas Reds, the San Diego Star. You know, it was just a lot smaller than what you have now. And and so and then in high school, it was, you know, you it was modern day and you played against Southern California teams. and It was the best of the best. I mean, it was it was everything you wanted as a as a high school player, you know, when the national circuit was you were lucky if you got invited to the team one showcase. You know, I don't know if you remember that back in the day and yeah. and area and area code. And, you know, I remember going to team one and, you know, with Mark Pryor and, you know, guys like guys like that, a guy named Ben Cord. I mean, there's just so many good players, but most of the good players were from California. Um you know, so that was always kind of the start of like how good I thought, you know, baseball was in Southern California. And then, you know, you got to experience that on a, you know, basically a daily basis, you know, within our league confines of being in the South Coast League back then. And, you know, and just seeing how good it is. And then, you know, you obviously have a different side of the spectrum now because you coach against it. So it's a lot different now than it is back then. So uh, but I still truly in my heart of hearts believe that, you know, this is the best baseball in the country. And, you know, I know uh, there's going to be fighting words from Adam Mosley and Chan Brown, probably out of Alabama and Hoover and Jeff Sherman out of Texas, who's coming out here shortly. And, you know, but I just believe there's so much talent and so much competitiveness that really anybody can beat you on any given day um, in, a, in about, you know, 150 different schools, you know, in the Southern California section. So um, call me call me biased. <laughs> no, well, I if if you are biased, then I share the same bias with you. But BK, so you, you know, you have you, you have you know what was an All American career at Modern Day, right? I mean, two time All American, and I'm I'm assuming that's USA Today back when that was the All American team. Uh, you know, there was one of them, and that was the one uh, to be on. You go on to play at Cal State Fullerton, a couple of trips to Omaha as a player there. Take us through that experience. You decided to stay local. Uh, I'm sure you had plenty of opportunity to maybe play elsewhere. Uh, you decided to stay local at Cal State Fullerton, and you get rewarded with two trips to Omaha. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I, you know, and I'll kind of give you just a brief that, you know, I wanted out of the state of California. I wanted to go to Florida State, Mississippi State, um, you know, I, I, Texas. I was looking at Tulane. I mean, there was just different places that were recruiting me. Some state schools were, and hooky, you know, was the best thing for me. And Coach Horton was by far and away the best thing for me. 
And, you know, I went on my recruiting trip there and I remember Bacani was there and Aaron Rowland and, you know, let's say I wasn't the smartest of kids as a high school senior. And, <laughs> and, you know, I enjoyed myself on my recruiting trip, but I remember just, you know, kind of being, you know, probably too cool for school. And, and, you know, they, Bacani's really the one, I mean, not a lot of people know the story. Dave's the one that really saved my butt there and hooky kind of asked, Hey, we need a guy like this. That's kind of a, you know, rough around the edges and yada, yada, yada. Um, and Dave's really the one that saved me and, and, and enabled me to go there. And I needed a guy like Hookie. You know, I needed George. My dad had just passed away. Um, so I was kind of mentally just a midget and kind of a mess. And then, you know, Fullerton that first year, I mean, I didn't get to Fullerton until my uh, the semester of my freshman year because I needed to pass. I really needed to pass the SAT. I had majored in baseball and socializing. And <laughs> school wasn't, you know, it wasn't a priority to me. And I just you know, it was, that was hard. And so I, on the flip side of that, I think that's so important now to be able to tell that story to, to the, you know, the young men that I coach and the people that I'm around is, you know, how important the academic structure is and, you know, what it leads you to. And so anyways, I get to Fullerton and, and I got, you know, 15 at bats my freshman year. And, you know, I had a start at UNLV and I went one through five, I went one for five with three strikeouts and I broke a toilet in the UNLV dugout. And, you know, that, that shows you a little bit of the temper I had. And I never played again that, that year. And I talk about humbling and, you know, an experience in itself that, you know, for someone who really, and I'm not trying to be egotistical, I just hadn't struggled that much before in my life. And there, you know, I learned quickly about, you know, hard work and, and hum how to be humbled and all the things that, you know, to try to set you up to be successful. Well, you're too. I'm still in a rotation with two other great players at Fullerton and, you know, had some time there. And, and, you know, I, I thought I had a pretty good sophomore year and then, you know, the junior junior year kicked in and I was a starter. And, you know, I, I feel that, you know, the team had a, you know, we went to the world series in, in 2001 and 99, that's a different story because I wasn't playing. And, you know, quite frankly, I didn't want to go because I, I went, I don't fly. If you know that story about me, uh, um, I do. We'll get to that. <laughs> um, so that's another story in itself. Um, and that junior year, I mean, I had a great year. Um, you know, I missed 13, or 16 games because I broke my thumb thanks to Temecula Valley's head coach, Derek Merrill. Um, so I hope he's listening. Um, again, another long story. Uh, but it was a great year. And, you know, guys like Kirk Sarlos and Bacani and Murph Norris and Aaron Rifkin and just, you know, John Smith, guys that were just, you know, holding the Fullerton lore of things. And, you know, that was just an unbelievable experience. And then playing in Omaha, I mean, we got to play Nebraska in the first game or the first night game of the World Series. And that was the first time Nebraska had been in the World Series, I think, ever or since 1950. And so, you know, there's 27,000 screaming Nebraskans just yelling and, and, and trying to destroy us. And, you know, we ended up beating Shane Comini, who I think was a supplemental pick by the A's that year. And, and you know, it was Bacani had a huge uh, two-run bomb. And, you know, I had a pretty big hit in that game and you know just the experience of what Fullerton is and what Fullerton taught me and you know I mean I I, I hold a lot of people in high regards in regards to my the coaching that I've had like Bob Ikes and you know Bob Spore and people in my background but George and Hookie I mean are just phenomenal teachers of the game and you know they they put my life back together and I couldn't be more proud to be in that Fullerton window and that Fullerton tree and and I mean, they just, they were my saviors at that point in my life when I needed somebody. So, you know, and the experience in itself of baseball and what Fullerton was, was just, I mean, it was just top notch and just, you know, such an incredible piece of my, of my life. Yeah. So then at the conclusion of that, you're taken in the eighth round by the Mets. Is this still back when the draft is going on during Omaha? So was this when, were you in Omaha when you found out you were drafted or were you home? We were practicing, so I think it was day two. Um, if I if I can remember correctly, Sarlos went in the third round. Rifkin went in the fourth round. Mike Rouse um, went in the sixth round. I went in the eighth round. Um, so I remember I was coming off of taking BP, and, and, and Riff you know, had said, hey, you just got drafted. I'm like, oh, sweet. You know, I'm like, who drafted me? You know, and he's like, the Mets. So... And I had been a huge Met fan growing up. My brother and I, 
you know, used to emulate Dwight Gooden and Daryl Strawberry out in the front of our house in orange and, you know, Gary Carter, you know, Hojo, Bobby O, you know, all oh, yeah. these guys. And, and so, you know, the 86 Mets were my team and I'm like, oh, great. How cool is this? And, you know, I end up signing for, you know, what money was in 2001, which is a lot different now. And, and really that 2001 summer and playing playing for the Brooklyn Cyclones was probably, you know, besides my children being born and, and the things that we've accomplished at, at my current you know, high school was one of the best experiences of my life. I mean, I, I could, we could spend a whole podcast on me playing in Brooklyn and the Brooklyn experience and, and Warner Fusell, if you remember the name Warner Fusell with, you know, this week, you know, he was our, he was our radio guy. And I mean, it was just, you know, we got interviewed, you know, by Harper's Bazaar and we're doing photo shoots with Spike Lee. And I mean, it was like, we were Kings of New York and you still had the Yankees and Mets playing there. It was, it was quite an experience. And, you know, and then September 11th happened and we all got to, uh, you know, witness that and be a part of that, you know, basically the morning of. So, like I said, I could spend a whole podcast going over that experience and how wonderful it was. And, you know, the the dead man play and, you know, beating Robinson Cano and, you know, some big time players on the Yankees. And it was just it was it was really cool. And it's something I'll always hold my hat on. I mean, people say, hey, let go of the past. And, I, you know, I absolutely not. No, those were some of the greatest times in my moments. And, you know, I want my children and, you know, even my players to understand, you know, the experiences that are out there that, you know, hopefully that they all get to be a part of. Yeah. I saw, I saw Dave, you know, this past summer, Bacani was, you know, took his kids down to, I think it was South Carolina where he played or something and they went back for some game. And I just thought, man, that's awesome. Just to be able to share that with your children which is something, I mean, you, I mean, let's face it, anybody who follows you on social media or knows you uh, knows that, you know, your boys are, are everything and you see that with your son at the field. And I, I think you're already able to share some really neat experiences with him. Uh, but, you know, I, I could just see as, as a father myself how as he continues to grow, those, those experiences will just mean that much more, right? Like, hey, wow, my dad did this when he starts to be able to get that, right? Yeah, I mean, that's the fun part. Like, you know, I think this is a two-parted response. Number one, I play my son in Madden, you know, as much as I can. And <laughs> I will I, I will just not let him beat me. I mean, he will be in tears, you know, asking me to beat him. And I'm like, no, you no, I'm not letting – I'm not going to run some <laughs> fake, fake punt so you can – no, I'm going to beat you. But, you know, and the second part of that is just – you know, he questions right now, like, dad, were you really good? And I'm like, yeah, I was good. Sure. You know, like I want you to be good. You know, everything that, and it's hard because I see now that, you know, with your children and parents have been telling me for years, a, how fast it goes and B that they don't listen to you, right. you know? So and both are true, right? <laughs> and bo both are very true. And, you know, I, I, nothing, nothing satisfies me more than, you know, watching my son play a game, whether it's, you know, flag football or, you know, basketball or, you know, obviously baseball. And, you know, it's 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 such a different type of experience and joy of, you know, my son the other day after we played Harvard Westlake was like, hey, can you throw to me? And I'm like, absolutely. Yeah. You know, and and it's just those are the moments that you cherish because they they, they do go really fast. But I want everything to bleed into him and and understand about, you know, I, I talked about Madden, about, you know, learning how to be competitive and being a great teammate and, you know, all these different types of things that, you know, we want our children to be is so true. And, you know, it's, it's just fun to be a part of. And it's, it's, it's an awesome experience. And, you know, my boys are everything to me and as well as my wife, my wife's been an amazing mother to, to those two kids. And, and, you know, we're lucky, you know, we, 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 you know, we have a good life and, and, you know, I'm glad that my son gets to experience, you know, high school baseball with me and, and I get experience, you know, his little league and the things that he does with him. So I think right. that's an important, you know, because I think my players, you know, to be honest, need to see that too, you know, that I cannot just be baseball all the time, even though my, my, my mind, I want to be, you know, but I can't because I need to be with my boys. And, you know, so many coaches that you hear in the years are like, Hey, I, I'm just, you know, they get beat down because, I, you know, and you hear the resignation talk is I just need to be with my family. I don't ever want to give that speech. You know, I, I just don't ever want to give that speech, you know, because I always want to be there for my boys and, and, and for my wife. So, 
Yeah, well, I mean, I think that does, you know, that obviously works wonders with your players too, right? Because they may or may not see that at home, uh, or maybe they do see it at home, but it's always, you know, a good thing to see it elsewhere as well from somebody that they're spending so much time and that they know is so committed to what they're trying to accomplish. So, BK, yeah, the, look, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I was going to say the va- there's so much value in that. I mean, we get so narrow-minded in our in our jobs and and our thought processes. And and if I didn't have Matt Orloff and you know Dan Groot and Rube and Damon Summers and Dominic and Greg Harris and all my assistant coaches, I couldn't do this. You know, I couldn't do it because I rely so much on them. And you know, Matt is I think the next young superstar in either high school or college, and I hope he never leaves us. But I'm just so fortunate to have those guys because I have to delegate a lot to them so I can spend time with my family. And, you know, I'm the only one that really has a, you know, super young, you know, um, kids, but there's so much value in our players seeing that it's like, I I don't want to be known as just pure baseball. You know, I want to be known as, you know, a, a good, a good husband and a good father. And, you know, I'm tough on my kids too. And I'm, you know, tough, my wife and I love my players and, you know, but at the end of all things, and you know this, and every coach know this, there's a family waiting at home. And, you know, what you go through on a day-to-day basis, and I have a hard time doing this at times, is you try not to bring it home or you do bring it home. And, you know, and that loss, that, you know, semifinal loss or that first-round loss or that league championship loss, you wear it on your sleeve at times. And, you know, learning how to compartmentalize those types of emotions and things and not bringing them home to your children because – you know, in some cases, and I hate to say this, and I'm not comparing my children to dogs, but your children have your children have no idea what you just went through, and they don't really care. And right. you know, they just they they're just, just want to come your home, home, right? They're, they're yeah, just stoked they just want your home. Be, they just want to play with dad. That, that's it. I mean, that's it. They just want to play. And you know, my two year old's yelling tackle at me last night, and you know, he's he's wrestling Brody, and it's just like, yeah, you're right. This is awesome. Like this right. is what it's all about at the end of the day. Right. So you talk about compartmentalizing. So 2003, the pro career comes to an end with the Mets. Um, not bad. Not a bad career, right? 255, 15 bombs, couple to 38 doubles. I, I was impressed by that number, BK. I uh, didn't envision you as a doubles guy. Uh, but uh, but so what happens in, two, in 2003, you know, that leads you to Jay Sarah in 06? Okay, so I'll... I'll try to give you what I can of this. So <laughs> I knew I knew that in 03, we had just won the Florida State League Championship. And I was I was in a bad place. And I wasn't in a bad place. I wasn't doing anything bad. I just was mentally in a bad place. I just the politics of, you know, minor league baseball and, you know, some things that I just wasn't on. And I was ready to move on. And I didn't want to be a career minor leaguer. Um you know, one of my former high school teammates, you know, Mike Hessman, if you know his story, I mean, he was up and down and, he, you know, he was 20 years in the minor leagues and the big leagues. And, you know, kudos to him. I think his story is absolutely phenomenal, but I just didn't want that. I wanted to make a difference somehow, somewhere. If I, you know, do I think I could have made the big leagues? Yeah, I think I made it maybe had a shot. Now call me crazy, call me whatever you will, but I was just ready to make a new life. And so I had to make a decision and I left the Mets and, I wasn't released at any point. I just said, you know what, I'm done. I I, I don't want to get back. I, I want to, you know, I want to start making a change and, and start doing something different. And, you know, so I had a vision. I had a vision of what I wanted to do. And that was really to coach high school baseball. Now, I had no idea at that point in time where I wanted to coach or what I wanted to do. So all I did is, you know, I remember this night very vividly in my mind that I wrote down everything that I had learned from my Fullerton experience, my high school experience, and let's call it my Mets experience and kind of put it in. And I still have it in my, in my underneath my desk, my kind of my coaching like thing of his, this is what I'm going to do. This is my, this is my uh, manual of, of what I'm going to start doing. And, you know, I got a, excuse me, I got a call about just, you know, doing some lessons and, you know, I, I started working at this place called the yard in um, Irvine. That was a new facility. And, um, it was previously owned by frozen ropes and it sold over to this, this gentleman, Tom Nick, who his son was David Nick. If you remember that name, he played at Cyprus and Marina, um, really good, really good high school player, really good kid. Um, 
And so I kind of started doing lessons there. And lo and behold, I'm doing lessons for about, you know, six to eight months. And then we start, you know, I come onto this travel team called the Blue Wave out of Irvine and Steve Cruz. And, you know, I, I wanted to get into coaching. So I started coaching this 12U baseball team that's got, you know, players that are from Beckman and Irvine and Northwood and kind of the kind of Irvine-ish area. And, um, got started there, you know, while I had interviewed for Beckman, Beckman was the first job that I had interviewed for. And Bolsa Grande was the second job I had interviewed for during this process. Um, I lost out. I was one of the finalists for Beckman. Um, coach Burns from Tribuca Hills, uh, ended up getting that job. And then I didn't get the job at Bolsa Grande because I just, quite frankly, I had no high school experience. So I'm trying to use these 12 year old kids and, and, and going out and kind of handpicking players of, you know, guys that now, you know, you would know their names, um, you know, Blake Davey of Newport Harbor, Dylan Bryant of Orange Lutheran, Josh Doyle of Orange Lutheran, you know, Andrew Thurman played for us for a little bit, uh, Graham Wiest, Austin Hedges, Brett Dawson, Dylan Christensen, you know, um, Nick Mandry from La Mirada and Brent Allen from Gar. I mean, all these kids, Jeez. I'm sorry, I'm missing anybody, but just a, a phenomenal 13, 14 U team. Um, that's a, that's a really good 17U team, too, by the way. Yeah, yeah. It's like, I mean, we, we kind of just manifested this team through 12, 13, 14 and kind of went along with it and, and talk about, like, you know, and I keep saying experience. I mean, those kids taught me so much about coaching and and how to coach and, and, and you know, trial and error and doing all these different things that you want to do in your coaching world. And, and we just – we were just a huge family. Like, we just – it was awesome. I mean, I, I shouldn't say this publicly. You know, I'm taking 12 year old kids, Blake Davy to Nine Inch Nails concerts with me, and you know, we're 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 just doing things that you just don't normally do. And <laughs> I had no one else to go. My girlfriend couldn't go at the time, and I'm like, hey, Blake, you want to go? He's like, absolutely, I want to go. And Tim and I and his and, and his mom, Marilyn, let him go. And I'm like, this is this is quite a story. Um, yes. So so that led me to, you know, long. Uh, I know this has been a long story, but that led me to giving a lesson or, or having a young man um, named Karis Nicholas come into our facility. And he had been getting trained by one of my former Mets coaches named Lyle Yates, um, who in the offseason lived in Redondo and would give lessons at this facility. And this family had asked me, hey, are you interested in coaching high school? I said, eh, you know, not really. I didn't get the Beckman job. I didn't get Bolsa Grande. I didn't want to be a freshman coach. You know, at Woodbridge, um, I just I, I just I wanted to, you know, try to be a varsity head coach. And I knew that was, you know, a little bit tougher. But they had asked me and this was Capital Valley Christian. So this is in really December of of 05. And, you know, I went down there and met with Capital Valley Christian and their AD named Shannon Justice, who, you know, I still talk to, you know, when I get a chance this day and she's still at CVCS and you know, interviewed for the job and, and I got the job and here I am. And now I'm a head coach in the San Joaquin league. And, you know, I have, I, I don't have a field. I have a field behind the mission in San Juan and we rent San Juan sports park for games. And, you know, we end up going 17 and five and we had some great kids and great young men in that program and some players that really made a difference with me. And, you know, I had coached against St. Margaret's and at that time, you know, Joe DeMarco and PJ McKay were the, the head coach and the pitching coach. And, you know, also happened to be, you know, train, you know, Shane and Trent Boris at that time. And and um, Joe kind of gave me the referral to, you know, um, to Jay Sarah and Scott, you know, Boris at the time. And, you know, again, another story for another day. I go and kind of interview with um, with Scott. I give him my resume. And I remember this big red Sharpie coming out, you know, when I'm sitting behind, um, you know, in his seats at Dodger Stadium. And here I am with, you know, Scott Boris and, you know, uh, Mikey and, you know, Fiore and all their guys. And I'm like, this is the most intimidating thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and he just marks off my resume, you know, and just, OK, you got to clean this up. You got to clean this up. And I, you know, remember, you know, the process, if I can't, you know, I'm trying not to be too long, but. I go and interview, you know, with the AD and um, at Jay Sarah, and I, I get called back later that day. I didn't get the job, and you know, I I then get a call back, and 
you know, I, I, I didn't get a chance to interview with the principal as well. So I go back and interview with the principal, you know, I get the grand tour of J. Sarah and I'm like, wow, this place is phenomenal. Um, you know, this would be a great place. I know they're going into the Trinity league and, you know, I knew nothing of what the Trinity league was and I get called back, you know, that day. And I remember I was on the toll road up by, um, Santa Margarita and I didn't get the job. And I had asked, you know, why I didn't get the job, you know, for the second time. And, you know, they gave me the reasons. And, and so I, they have, they called me back like a couple days later. And I, I remember I'm coaching now I'm helping coach like Corey Hahn and, and, you know, some of the players that were, we kind of combined the blue wave and the Sanderson arsenal team. And I got to go back for a third interview. And by that time I'm red in Shawshank redemption at his last parole hearing, <laughs> you know, where I'm just like, I, I okay, I'm done. You know, like I, I'm just going to give you who I am and this is what I am. And Wait, so, so, they, so they, they've told you at this point twice, no, you didn't get the job, but we want you to come back for a third interview. Yes. Yeah. This okay. is, yeah. And so, and there's some stories behind it. Sure. And, sure. Sure. And, you know, so I end up interviewing with basically, you know, the, some of the coaches, the admissions director, who is now the president of Santa Margarita, you know, the basketball coach, Tom Lewis, his wife, Tanisha Turner, and some other coaches that are on staff. And I get the stamp of approval. I, I, I remember I, I get the phone call that day that I've got the job now. And, um, you know, the AD at the time, you know, um, is now my father-in-law. So that's always... <laughs> I was going to ask you that because I knew that fact. I was going to ask you if he was your father-in-law at the time yet. No, no. He, and, and that's like, it's it, it, like people, Hey BK, you got good stories. And I'm like, no, these are true stories. <laughs> yes. Like this is a true story. And yeah. So I ended up marrying his daughter and you know, and Pete, Pete and I, I mean, Pete would tell you, I would tell you like those first couple months were really hard, you know? And, and the story behind it is, you know, Dave Demarest was going to be the head coach and, and, you know, uh, Pete, you know, had a coach in mind that he really wanted to be the head coach. And, you know, I, I, I didn't know really any of that process other than, you know, after the fact I got the job. And, you know, I'm just lucky. I, I'm lucky that Pete, you know, um, Pete hired me. I'm, I'm lucky that Scott, you know, had an integral role. Mark Spaziri, one of the founders of the school, had an integral role. Frank Darris, you know, <clears throat> there's a lot of people that were behind me who had knew, knew nothing of me. And, you know, I had really created this, you know, resume that was just a great resume. And, you know, I got hired and, you know, like I said, the whole first year I was like, I, all I heard was that Dave Demarest was going to take the job because I was just a holdover. And, you know, after we win 11 and 15, you know, in the first year in the league, we had swept Servite. We had beat SM two out of three. We had beat Bosco, I think, um, one or two out of three. And then we got swept by modern day and we were one game out of the playoffs. And, you know, the last game against Olu, we've got bases loaded and one out. And I pitch hit Hunter Fishbeck. And we need to beat Olu and Garrett Cole and Brandon Maurer and Aaron Gates and, you know, all these dudes of dudes. And we hit into a 3-2-3 double play. I don't think I've seen a 3-2-3 double play since that act. And oh. we didn't get the playoffs. But we, you know, I, I think we had set our mark. And, you know, I think... I hope that I had proven myself to the, you know, basically the powers that be and, and, you know, they gave me another shot and I guess, you know, the rest is history. So sorry uh, to be so long winded, but no, I mean, man, it's, it's, it's a podcast. That's what these things are for, you know? So, I mean, these are just fun stories that, I mean, I, I like hearing them. So, Hey, let's rock and roll with that. I mean, so, so 2006, obviously they made the right call because here we are 14 years later, you're, you know, I called you the Dean of the Trinity league coaches the other day at the media day. I don't know how much you like that or not, but, uh, well, you're younger than me. So you take it as a compliment, <laughs> but, uh, you. You, you know, so, uh, you know, here, we, here we are and 14 years later and BK, it's just been like, uh, a, a, a conveyor belt of players that have come through. And, you know, obviously one of the most famous ones is, is Austin Hedges. And, and you and Austin share a really, really close relationship like you do with a lot of your players. Uh, this one seems to be, at least from the outside looking in, pretty unique. Tell us a little bit about Austin. You know, I remember him in Trinity League play, but, you know, tell us a little bit about him and kind of your bond with him. So Charlie, you know, they, Charlie, his dad, um, used to come into that facility, the yard, 
and they would bring in their Aztecs team. And now this Aztecs team, you think the Blue Wave was loaded. I mean, we're talking Austin, Matt Chapman, Travis Harrison, uh, Kenny Matthews, Trent Chatterton. I mean, all these players wow. that are just – there's more that, that are out there that I, I just – you know, Bobby Lewis. There's just players upon players that were just dudes and dudes. And I saw Austin, and I met Charlie, and, and you know, and I'm like, God, this kid – I mean, he was tiny, but he was really, like, unique and his movements as a catcher and his movements as a baseball player. And, you know, he asked me to start working out with him doing catching stuff. And he was 11 at the time. And I said, absolutely, I'd love to. And, you know, we started to create this, you know, kind of relationship. And I asked him to come on the blue wave and he made the change. And, you know, so 12, 13, 14, he was a year younger than the Dalsons and the Christiansons and Doyles and, you know, all those guys, Dylan Bryant, you know, but he could flat out play. And, so we had created this, you know, special bond. And then when those kids were going into high school, you know, I didn't know what to do because all those, I would basically gone with those 14 year olds and Austin was the only one left, you know, where really he was 13. Well, when I got the job at CVCS, I needed an assistant coach and Charlie lit and Austin lived in San Juan. And I'm like, Charlie, Hey man, you want to coach with me? So Charlie was my assistant coach at Capo Valley Christian and he was my JV head coach my very first year at J. Sarah. And, you know, we knew Austin was going to come here. I mean, he took a chance on us, you know, when we were new and I was still fairly new. And, and you know, I said in his meeting last – or his video last week with Camus, like, he, la he went two for four his first JV game and then I moved him up. <laughs> and I, I knew that, you know, and he could play anywhere on the field. You know, and at that time, I didn't want to kind of ruffle any feathers, but this kid was too good for me to not be on JV. And so he'd catch a little bit. He'd play some infield. He'd play some outfield. Um, and, you know, he he didn't he hit probably 154 his freshman year, but his defensive prowess, you could see. Mm -hmm. And I remember a game against Orange Lutheran. It was the game before uh, the one I talked about previously. He threw out Garrett Cole. I, I don't know if it was a hit and run. It probably was, you know, by like 20 feet. And I'm like, whoa. Like that's okay. Here we go. Yeah. And in a soft, sophomore year, it's it's different. I mean, it's just you know, Dave Lawn would always tell me um, that Austin was the best prep catcher that he had ever seen in his 25 years of coaching or his 20 years of coaching that he had seen at that point in time. And I always thought that was a really special statement from Lonnie, you know, who's who's obviously one of the I think one of the greatest men, just period. Um, and Austin did some things, you know, in his three years that you just kind of like are wowed. You know, he made a play against Servite that still hasn't been replicated and, and just instinctively and athletically. And, you know, he, he picked off 11 guys like his junior and, and senior year. Like nobody ran on him. It was just and he was just such a defensive stud and what he did offensively and what a leader he was and. You know, he's the type of kid, you know, like Royce and Chase Trump and Davis. A lot of these, the best part about it of all these accolades and things is that like we talked about earlier. They want to come hang out with my kids. You know, they want to come and play with Brody and, you know, they, they get their work in. They want to come and see Caden. And, you know, so my wife and I, and, and I, I want to say 2012, um, when Brody was being born, we asked Austin, you know, like, listen, you've been a huge part of our life and we'd like you to continue to be a part of our life. And, you know, we, so we asked him to be Brody's godfather. And I remember I'd given him my Halloween costume and he was on his way up to Hollywood and he came in second place. I'll never forget this. And Maggie, <laughs> Maggie, his current wife, you know, was on the phone and they were just, you know, Austin was so elated and, you know, Maggie was so happy that, you know, it was just, it was the right thing for us to do because he had, he had been such a big part of our life and the Hedges family had been such a big part of our life. And, and he really, he was trans, he transformed our program and transcended it. I mean, we had Graham Weist and Dawson and Karash and Paradise and Renner and some really good players, but he was the guy you feared. He let off and he just, he, he was kind of that engine, you know, for that train. And it, it, like I said, transformational transcended. I mean, he was that guy that took us to that next elite level. And, yeah. you know, it still carries on today because, you know, I think he's the best defensive catcher in the big leagues. Yeah, I, I, you get no argument from me on that one either. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I, I remember seeing him as his senior year in particular. Uh, you talked about nobody running on him, and that is 
uh, I think that's kind of an understatement, right? I mean, guys weren't even really leading off the bags back then because they just knew they weren't running. And you're right, he was the guy you came to see. And you know, you've had a pretty pretty storied tradition of catchers at in your program, and it's kind of funny just being around the Trinity League for the last I don't know ten years, eleven years, whatever, however long it's been. Just watching kind of the way you coach catchers, you know, some people say it's 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 hard, it's insane, it's you know, it's brutal. I mean, I just think it's you know, it's demanding, it's exacting, it's 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 because it's what you need out out of that position, right? And you know, a guy that that you you were pretty hard on when 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 he was in school for you, you know, Sam Cohen, I, I, you know, he goes on to to hit a pretty magnificent homer. Uh, for, for for Santa Barbara there to get them to Omaha. I mean, wh- what was that like for you when you see those guys kind of go on and have those moments? Uh, I mean, it's got to be like a proud dad moment, right? Yeah, I mean, y- you got to go back to Twitter and you got to go back and see my son reenact the Louisville home run with Sam at our house. It is absolutely the funniest thing ever. And... <laughs> I mean, Sam was here this weekend. I mean, Sam, we were playing Harvard Westlake and, you know, Sam and, and Linda, his mom and I would still talk. I mean, we're, we're, I still want, he should be playing pro ball. And it, it just, it, it hurts my heart because of what happened really there. Um, you know, at Santa Barbara, you know, you have a kid that, that, you know, the most important moment in Santa Barbara's history. And, you know, I, I just believe that he should have finished his career there, you know, and, and Sam's rough around the edges, but Sam's competitive. And you know what? But he's got the biggest heart. That kid has got the biggest heart. And he is such an awesome kid. And he's, I mean, he's a kid that he'd be like, Coach, I'm coming over to hang out with Brody. Coach, I'm coming over to play with Butchie, your dog. Like, Coach, I'm, you know, like that family and Sam Cohen. So when that happened, I still have the pictures of Linda just crying and crying in the stands. And, I mean, that was one of my proudest moments as a coach, post-coaching moment, because I still think one of the worst pitch calls in American history, no offense to Louisville and, and whoever called that pitch, but, um, you know, that was such an eclectic moment for Sam and the Cohen family in Santa Barbara, but really for Jay Sarah and for me. And like, it was just such a proud moment because you go back, I mean, Warren Morris is home run, you know, for my, yeah. uh, for yeah. LSU, against LSU. Miami, yeah. you know, uh, Sam Cohen versus Louisville, um, you know, Morgan yeah. Ensberg steal a home, you know, I don't know if it was Morgan Ensberg stealing home for SC in 95, um, but just huge moments in college baseball history. And that's up there. That is up there. And, you know, just those are the moments that you live for where you're like, he did it. He did it, you know, and, and, you know, it's not about being a big leaguer. It's just about that moment in time where you take that 15, 30 seconds and you just soak it all in and, it's not that you've arrived, but you just did something that may never happen again. Yeah, and 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 speaking, that's a fantastic segue. Speaking of something that n- never may ha- happen again for you, uh, talk about what. I, listen, I mean, we, everybody knows Royce Lewis, and you talk about the accolades, and you talk about being a great kid, and you talk about um, this and that. But I, I, I'm interested from a coaching perspective because I remember when he was a freshman, you said. Less this kid is special. I, I mean, th- I believe that was the exact sentence you said, um, you know, in the fall game uh, of the kid's freshman year. So, uh, you know, when, when coaches like you say that to me, you know, obviously you take note of that. But, I mean, coaching a, a number one overall pick, uh, you know, take us through what it was like from his freshman year to that moment. And then particularly kind of the last month of that experience, you know, with the draft and then, you know, draft day and all that stuff. Oh, well, I, I had remember when I, <clears throat> when we sat down and with the Lewis family and, you know, they went through the tour of the school and, you know, we ended up getting an email that, you know, that they were going to come here. And, you know, it was, it was very similar to like when the Prees brothers, you know, Jake Prees, who I chase Trump and Colin Quinn, you know, I was just so elated. I'm like, this kid is just, you know, going to be special and you saw automatically and everybody talks about his character you know but it was hard that first you know those it wasn't hard but it was like okay where are we going to fit this kid in because we had we had davis wenzel um 
we had Chase, we had Christian Molfetta, you know, we had, um, you know, an infielder that ended up transferring. I won't get into that. Um, you know, we had some really good players and, and, you know, I remember the day was, I had talked to kind of Davis and, and Royce and I said, Hey, I'm going to basically go with the hot hand and Roy Davis, I'm thinking about moving you to first. So, you know, Royce can play third and they kind of, they kind of moved all over the place, but we were playing at Vista Marietta and, you know, I batted Royce seventh and eighth and kind of around there. But just his will to win, you know, and his and his competitiveness and his athleticism, you know, that whole freshman year. I mean, we were losing to Valencia and he got one of the, the biggest hits in our season that year and with two outs and we needed it to happen. Like here I'm relying on a freshman to, you know, to take this 2014 team to the next round and here you go, here you go big boy. And he, he came through in the clutch and, you know, the guys that followed him, Strumpf and, and Shockey and those types of guys, uh, you know, obviously did their thing. And then something happened from his freshman year to his sophomore year, body, everything changed. And I was like, whoa, like this is not normal. And he became like something that, you know, quite honestly, we were like, okay, this is a different level. I mean, we've got good players. Like, we've got good players, but this is a different level of player. This is, like, elite. And he was starting to put balls and do things that you just hadn't seen before. And um, the strength and, and the aptitude and the acumen and, you know, the, the athleticism and everything baseball. I mean, those sophomore through his senior years, he just took off. I mean, the ball – he had a ball at Fullerton – you know, with a wood bat, I think between his junior and senior year that I, I still watch to this day, just because it's so, it's so ridiculous. Like I, how I, hard it was. I was there. I, I was there and I have a video of it. And it, when it went over the scoreboard, it was one of the most insane things. Yeah. So that one, and, and he had done that like three or four or five times, like in Fresno and different areas. And I'm like, okay, like you're good, but I, I let's not, you know, and not one time, not one time did it ever get in his head. Did it ever get to his head? Him playing third base while Chase Trump was playing short. If they, they might have had something internally, Will, Cindy, and Royce, and I still believe the sister is a better athlete than Royce to this day. Um, <laughs> they never said a word. And there's something to be said about that type of loyalty, that type of you know character, and then the move to short. And he had some things to work on at short. Everybody talked about it. Everybody heard, you know. But he wasn't going to let that define him. He wasn't going to let that, you know, really affect him. And he was going to work and work and work. And then that last that last year was hard because, quite frankly, we didn't know how to coach him. Like, you're like the player, Colin Townsend was, was a really good player. And Tyler Jablonski and some players that we had. But, I mean, and I'm not trying to disc. Those guys were great. Cole Samuels, they were great players on our program. You know, Royce was just above, like above and beyond. And so I almost think practice was boring to him because it, 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 we couldn't cater to him because we had to rely on him to be the next coach and to help us be better because he was, he was that good. And I can't even imagine the pressures that he had that senior year. And the stories that came out about him, you know, just these false fake stories, you know, about, you know, what he's hitting and what he's like and he's doing this. And I'm like, you guys are out of your mind. Like, this is not this is just factually just not true. And, you know, it was like people were trying to find something wrong with them. And trust me, there's nothing wrong with them. Um, you know, and then that day happened. And, you know, I, I had, you know, asked, you know, what they're going to do and how they're going to handle it. And, you know, I, we didn't know where he was going to go. We had heard some, you know, some rumblings and, and, you know, so we held with myself and Orloff and Summers and Groot and my family at my house. And you, I'm sure you've seen the video of it. And, yeah, for sure. You know, we, we didn't know. We, we, we thought, okay, the Padres at three, you know, the Rays at, at, at two or four or whatever, or the Braves at five, you know, we didn't know. And so that's real, that's, you know, one of those moments where that's real emotion, you know, where they, you know, because everything had been about Hunter Green and rightfully so Hunter Green was, is Hunter Green and, and, you know, a phenomenal player in his own right and what he did at Notre Dame and, you know, 
it was just Royce was kind of that guy that, you know, wasn't in the limelight per probably the media, you know, and, you know, so when that happened, that was, I mean, talk about a big moment in, in a player or a program or, you know, Orange County, let's just say Orange County baseball. I mean, that never happened before. So, I mean, that was a dad, proud dad moment and proud, you know, coach moment and, you know, but even before that last, like, he had asked my wife and I like to be Caden, our two-year-old's godfather, you know, and I try to tell that story, you know, and I try to tell what type of kid he is. I mean, we, I told you we had asked Austin and I sure. get, a, I get, a, I get a ton of crap, you know, believe it or not, people give me a hard time because I've got Austin Hedges and Royce Lewis as, as my two kids' godparents. You I know. can see that. Yeah. Yeah, which is I, I, I can see why why somebody would take that to that level. That's just the absurdity of today's world, right? A hundred percent. And you know, but Royce had Royce had you know t- talked to my wife and I and asked us and said, "Hey, I want to be. I want to continue to be a part of your life. I want to be a part of your son's life. I want to be there for Brody, and I want to be be there for Caden. Or we were going to name him Jeter, believe it or not. Uh, my my wife will my wife will tell you different. Um, and he, he wanted to be there. And for me, that was of all the things that that kid has done for our program, for himself, you know, every public, you know, that's a story that should be told that tells you who that kid is. And that was one of the most impressive moments I've had as, as, as anybody, you know, as a youth, as a player, as a coach, as a person. That was one of the most defining, most important moments of my life. When a young man who was 17 years old had the, had the maturity and the want to be able to do that. That was impressive. Yeah, it says a lot about, about him as a young man, certainly. And we talked about a couple transcendent-type players for your program there at Austin and Royce. And, you know, you might have uh, one, maybe two transcendent-type players uh, in your program right now uh, in the underclass Uh Let's talk about the 2020 Lions uh, and BK. I, I gotta say, um, you know, when when people are asking me, uh, you know, who's the best team in, in SoCal? Who's the best team in California? You know, we recently yesterday came out with our Power 25 had you guys listed number one uh, in there, and, and people say, oh, well, right, you know, Jay Sarah, they have a lot of arms, but I, I point to something you said on Friday. Uh, and I brought this up with Bob Gibson at the at the Trinity League Media Day. You talked about you had the best time losing a game you've ever had in your life, something along those lines with this team. And, and I told Bob, I said, game over, man, because if Brett Kay is talking about the best time losing a game, then this team is loose. They're obviously very talented. So, you know, what, what's going on with the 2020 Lions, BK? Um, you know, I, you know, I said yesterday, we played El Toro yesterday and, you know, I have, you know, side tangent, so much respect for coach Gonzalez and, you know, the local guys around here, you know, and really Southern California baseball. But, you know, I had texted my coaches, I said, they're ready, you know, and cause they, they made an adjustment mid game that changed the complexion of that game yesterday. And I get it. It's a winter game and everybody's playing and we're trying to, you know, mix and match, but it's our last winter game before, you know, we get into the real season and, you know, the hard part is you have, I haven't seen this before, this type of level of love. I've seen pockets of it. 16 had it, 15 had it, 14 had it, 11, 10, nine. There's some teams that had it, but not to this level. And that Notre Dame game, you know, Tom and I were talking, I'm like, Tom, like that was awesome. You know, that was just an experience. I mean, Aldrich is doing what Aldrich does. And, you know, he was really special that night. And, you know, it was just an awesome game. And our players, now, they might, now, call me, call me whatever you want. But they might have been tired or whatever it was because it was MLK weekend. Um, But I just, I had never experienced something like that before. And that's what I told them after the game. And they are loose. They all love each other. And I, I hate being cliched. But they, they got each other's backs. They get along. Um, they're competitive. They make adjustments. And my biggest statement to them, or not really a statement, is, hey, if you guys had a blueprint for success, would you follow it? Would you follow it? And really, that's coaching. Like That's the hard part is to get your players to follow 
what you think is a blueprint to be successful. Now, that blueprint may change when you play Harvard-Westlake or La Mirada or Orange Lutheran or Modern Day or Margarita or any of those teams. The blueprint changes. So you're basically going over your scouting report and trying to break down teams and find weaknesses within that team and then go attack it. This team does that, and they don't deviate from it, and they try new things, and it's trial and error. And, you know, when I've got Cody Schreier, you know, and Gabe Darcy trying to skill so they can get Chick-fil-A or Canes or trying to find ways to win, you know, and they're policing it and they can run a practice plan and, and, and I can go and, 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 you know, my coaches can run it and the players can run it. Then I know like, Hey, we're in good shape. And I'm not trying to toot our own horn. I'm not trying to be egotistical because I, I, you know, everybody says what you put out yesterday is a, is a, is a kiss of death. And, you know, I understand that, you know, and what I told him, I said, guys, I'm not, I'm not sorry for you guys being who you are. I'm not going to apologize for you guys wanting to be good. I'm not, if we don't, if we don't play good and we aren't who they say we are and the naysayers want to be naysayers and what this and that, and you know, whatever you guys be you and you guys continue to be you and you don't change from that. And for me, that is a successful season for us. It's not a Trinity League championship. It's not a CIF championship. It's what about the journey that you guys have this year. And again, I don't like the cliches, but really, that's what this team's all about. And they love doing it. They love being out in the field. You know, where baseball can be a chore at times. And you can have some selfishness. And, you, you know, you can have those types of things. This team's different, and that's what I love about him. I love Cody Schreier. I love watching that kid play. I love Gabe Darcy. I love what he brings. I love Gage's fire. You know, I love what he brings. Luke Jewett is the quiet assassin, you know, and he's going to work, work. I mean, there's Jared Glenn is the old grandpa of the program. You know, we've just we've got so many different pieces. Eli the magician, you know, he throws 70 miles, not even 70 miles per hour. You know, you've seen him, and, you know, there's just <laughs> – there's just Kevin James. There's just Colin Blanchard. I can go on and on. Jake Taylor. We just got a healthy Jake Taylor back. Like all these guys, Jack Gibson. I mean, they just Cameron Cook. I can go on and on about everybody and what they do. Colby Canales, what they do to make our team what they are. And like I said, I'm not going to apologize for it. It's preseason. At the end of things, it doesn't mean much. It's great recognition for them. You know, and I said, if you guys want to be elite, then you act elite in the classroom. You act elite when you're at the Mission VA Mall wearing J. Sarah or not wearing J. Sarah. And you act elite how you stretch and how you do everything. And, and, and what Weber said at SoCal Baseball Media Day about everything matters, that resonated in not only me, but that resonated in them too. So as much as an important day that was for, for everybody else, I took so much away from that day. And I put it into our own program. And they believe everything matters. Everything they do matters. And so – you know, uh, I, I'm not, you know, I'm not concerned. I'm, I'm happy about where they're at. And, you know, I, I, I pray and hope that they continue to have this type of mantra because if they can play free and loose and, and make adjustments and have the right blueprint and be able to accomplish the things they want to accomplish, then, you know, less the, the, this could be a great year. Who knows? Yeah, it could certainly be a, a very special year. And you guys, you know, obviously you, you named the guys at the top there, it's deep. I mean, you guys are you. You're you. Know, you told me you're pretty high on on your lower level teams, and I, I mean that's just kind of the depth of the programs, right? And I think Shooter Hunt, who you know as well, he he, br- he brings it up all the time. He's like, you know, these aren't baseball teams in SoCal; these are baseball programs. And you know, you you brought together 14 of them for that SoCal Baseball Media Day uh, down at J. Sarah. Uh, you you know, allowed us to be a part of it, which was awesome. Uh, but, you know, you talk about your takeaways from that. I mean, that that event as a whole, just a fantastic celebration of baseball in our area. Yeah, I mean, again, the sad thing is, is that I get, you know, back backhanded comments, you know, it, like, listen, I'm not I'm not self-serving to do this, to try to serve anybody else other than the community of high school baseball. That's all I care about. I'm just the biggest fan and John Weber and Chris Ashbach and Gonzalez and Nieto and Jimmy Zern and Keith Ramsey and Derek Merrill and George Jones and who, everybody that was there. I mean, everybody, Joe Hoggett, Benji Madur. I mean, 
I'm fans of these. I, I, I mean, we're all fans of these guys. I mean, what these guys do is nothing less uh, phenomenal. You know, if I had a son, absolutely. I mean, I do have a son. And, you know, if he, if he doesn't play for me, then, you know, and has an opportunity to play for a guy like John Weber or Mike Gonzalez, 100%. Like, and that's what I need. Like, this isn't self-serving. I'm not doing this for anything other than our sport is to be celebrated and promoted. And I I want, you know, yeah, there's people that aren't fans of Jay Sarah or me for that fact. But you know what? I still want to celebrate you. You know, if next year it might be dip, next year, we might have 14 different teams. And really, anybody can do this. Anybody can do it. And I just, I, I wanted to do it. You know, I wanted to, and call, again, this is, I just wanted to do it because I, I, I feel like I have the blueprint of how to do it and what to do and make sure it's done right. And, and you know, I kind of grew up and, you know, with my brother in that type of world. And, 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 you know, that's just something that I think is important that we celebrate and promote our sport. And, and it's so important for it because we just don't do it in this day and age. We've got vehicles like, you know, PBR and, and LA times and OC varsity and all the things that are out there in order to, you know, promote our sport. It's just, it's another Avenue for us to do it. And these players, these student athletes, they're going to go through this at one point in their life, you know, and, and what better than to start now and getting them in front of a camera to be able to, to tell their story and to tell the program story about, you know, what they've been through and what they want to go through and, and their teammate and their culture, because those stories need to be told. Yeah. And, and it's, you're a hundred percent right. And I remember the backlash after the Trinity league media day last year, which, you know, followed suit, you know, followed the SoCal one this year, a week later. And I mean, both awesome events, right? I mean, it's, it's a complete and total celebration. You know, last year it was, Oh, the Trinity league is, you know, they're, you know, puffing out their chest. Well, no, like anybody can do this. It's like you said, anybody can do this. Any league can do it. Any section can do it. You know, I've, I've gotten some texts from people in Northern California who want to organize something like this for next year. It's, 100% all about the players and the teams. Uh, and, and that's just, that's for any, look, for anyone who follows you on Twitter or anybody who knows you, anybody knows that the work you put into that MLK tournament, uh, you know, just needs to go back to last year, right? And, and all the rain, the five, six games at J. Sarah Day, people know how gracious you are with your field, with what you, you are all about growing the game of high school baseball. And we just happen to be in an area of the country where, in my opinion, it's the best area in the country for high school baseball. And so why not celebrate the best players from the best area in high school baseball? I, I agree 100%. I mean, it's 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 an easy one. I mean, like, I would, I would want to do it. I just don't want to kill you guys because I would do it for every league if I possibly can. Like, hey, Monday is South Coast. Tuesday is Sunset. Wednesday is Garden Grove. Thursday is Seaview. You know, wh whatever it is, it's like, hey, I'll do it. Like, I, I, I'm not making any money off of this. I mean, like, listen, I want to help. Is. Like, I want to... <laughs> I, I want to promote, I mean, I, I say that publicly. I mean, it's a lot of work, um, right. you know, but no, but you know what I mean? Like that's, I, this is what our, our sport should be. And I, I love, that's what I love because it's so good. And there's so many good stories. And, you know, when you have players like, you know, the Jake Vogels and, you know, the Pete Crow Armstrongs, the Drew Bowsers and, you know, Petey Halpin and Jared Karos and, you know, uh, Maddie Clark. I mean, all these players that I, I'm just throwing names that come to the top of my head. I mean, these are great players in, in Southern California and, you know, it's, there's pockets of media presence and things like that. Well, let's just, let's do it right. Let's do it. And, you know, people can roll your eyes and we're not trying to be elitist. We're trying to get, I'm trying to make as many people, you know, tell their story as possible. And that's, and that, at the end of the day is what it's all about. I mean, that's what it's all about. It's not, uh, I'm not trying to show Jay Sarah. I'm not trying to show our program. That's the last thing that I want. And um, it's promotion of student athletes. It's promotion of programs. It's promotion of, of head coaches that are some of the best in the nation. And that's all it is. And, you know, we're lucky to have that. And I'm, I'm lucky to provide the platform and the vehicle to be a part of it. And I couldn't do it without you guys. I couldn't do it without Brooke Davis, who did the media guide and Sarah Breckville and all the people that helped it. I mean, they were all on board and, and, and the head coaches too. I mean, the head coaches were awesome. So, I mean, you know how it goes. It's just, it's one of those things that we're going to continue to do and continue to shed light on, on how great our sport is and how great the competition is in Southern California. 
Yeah, and, and I'm happy to be a part of it any small way I can. Uh, but BK, I before I let you go, I got to put you through the coach's rapid fire. Okay, so I'm going to ask you questions. First thing that comes to mind, uh, just, just blurt it out, okay? So I got to be honest with you. The most entertaining guy so far has been your boy, Jared Halpert, because he is, is, you know, well, you can, you know why he's entertaining. <laughs> so, yeah, let, so, let me, let me, Les, real quick. Let me say yeah. something about Jared. Yeah, I have the, the most, the most respect for that man. And, and really a, a lot of guys, but Jared is the guy out there that I respect so much in this world of high school baseball. So uh, I know this isn't a bro contest and a bro love. I have a lot of it from Webb and Gonzo and a lot of other guys, but, Jared and what he does with that program year in and year out is something to be, you know, applauded and commended because he's he's a special one out there. So thanks for giving me that segue. I appreciate that because yeah. he that guy deserves it. Yeah, no, he's he, he's awesome. I spent some time with him on Sunday and, and it's nothing but just great conversation. He's a great dude, like you said. I I, I yeah, he's I can't add anything else there. Um all right, so well, I'm ready. Ra- I'm I'm interested ra- to see how this goes. Rap rapid fire. I don't know. It's about uh I don't know, twelve, thirteen questions here. So uh we'll get we'll get going here. Some of them are for you, some of them are about your program. All right. Uh you ready to go? Yep, I'm ready. All right, here we go. Uh Del Taco or Taco Bell? Neither. Don't eat either of it. My wife would say Del Taco. Favorite sports team? Ooh. Gosh, that's a good one. I'm fantasy. Um, I'd have to say the Angels now or Lakers. Okay. okay. Uh, go-to song to sing in the shower. Line Begins to Blur by Nine Inch Nails. Favorite stadium you've ever been in? City Field. It beats Yankee Stadium. Best dancer on the team. Oh, gosh. Um, best dancer on the team. None of them. They all stink. They're not good dancers. <laughs> Best singer on the team? Um, Colin Blanchard. Mac or PC? I'm a Mac snob. Yeah, me too. Good for you. Uh, grunge or metal? Both. Favorite vacation spot? Uh, I don't fly, so vacation for me is uh, with my kids. Trackman or any other? I have Trackman and Edgertronic, so I will end wraps it all. But I love Trackman. Okay. College football or the NFL? Gosh, these are really tough ones. Like, I'm not supposed to say both, right? No, you're not. Okay. I'm a huge <laughs> Colorado Buffalo fan. My dad played for the Buffs. So the CU Buffs have been my team for a very long time. But I'm also a fantasy snob, so I'm going to say NFL. Ooh. Costco or Sam's Club? Costco. Too expensive, Alice, though. Yeah, right. Alice in Chains. Remember, we used to get out of there for under 100 bucks. you were pumped? Now it's like three. You're like, dude. Uh, Alice in Chains or Nine Inch Nails? Oh, my gosh. Is that even a question? <laughs> I've seen Nine Inch Nails 36 times. Fun fact. Uh, small ball or Gorilla Ball? Small ball. Yeah. Okay. All right. You're. You're. And I said that. I I said that. I said that in a small type of way because I think it depends on your personnel. Sixteen was could swing it. You know. Any. You know. We. I played at Fullerton. We teach West Coast offense to a certain extent. We're gonna find ways to. You know. Skill you. That's just who we are. So. Well, I I, I got a small ball. I I had I had a question from we were in Chicago for our conference. I had a question about some of the teams and your team came up from some guys out of the state. And this is how I told them. I said, if you're not prepared for a suicide squeeze in a 0-0 game in the second inning of a tournament game against Jay Sarah, then you're not prepared to play them. And, you know, and it's just like, well, you got to be ready, man, because that's coming from Jay Sarah at some point. Yeah, Jay, you know, Jay Johnson said it best. Play any type of game in any type of environment against any type of opponent. And that I took that from Jay, and that's kind of our mantra, like, be prepared for anything. Be prepared to make any type of adjustment and play any type of game, really in any type of environment against any type of opponent. So if you need to bang, go bang. If you need to skill and base run, go base run. If you need to pitch and defend, go pitch and defend. You know, if you need to go do those things, and if you can do all those things, you're going to be pretty darn successful. So, you know, but small ball for me, I mean, I was a guy as a catcher that used to drag a ton. Like that was a skill that I had. George Horton and 
and hooky instilled that in me. And, you know, so I did it in the minors. I did it at Fullerton. I did it. I mean, our guys have to do it. They have to do it, you know, and we did it yesterday. First and third, two outs, Jake Taylor, boom, drag for a run. It's awesome. It's like, those are the type of things where you're like, sweet. Like yeah. that pumps me up. I'm on that, you know? So yeah. that's, it's fun to do it. I mean, it's fun. It makes the players better. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Exactly. And it makes the game more fun too. Uh, all right, BK. Well, that that's going to wrap it up, man. Again, I can't thank you enough for coming on, on the podcast, man, and just breaking it down with us and, uh, lending your insight to all things baseball here in, in SoCal and your time at J. Sarah and, uh, you know, and what should be a pretty fun season for you guys. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. You know, I'm, I'm you know, I, I'm glad I got to tell, you know, some of the stories and again, they're all true. They're all real. And, you know, I, thanks again for SoCal baseball media day for being a part of that and helping sponsor that. That was a, you know, a huge coup for, you know, I think everybody involved. So I, I know you guys stepped up big time and, you know, thank you to you, Steve, and PBR California, and all, all PBR for being a part of that. And again, I'm honored to be, you know, here doing this. And you know, it's uh, it's it's been it's been a pleasure. So thanks. All right, BK. We'll see you uh, and talk to you real soon. All right, man. I'd like to thank Jay Sarah head coach Brett K for joining me on the At the Art podcast. Be sure to check out PrepBaseballReport.com/California for all your news and information as we head into the 2020 CIF season. And until next time, we'll see you at the yard.